What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we recap a very busy National Signing Day in the aftermath with our recruiting insider, Brian Smith. Who are the biggest winners and losers in the SEC? We'll discuss it all right here on Locked on SEC. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use our code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase on the Game Time app. I'm Chris Gordy. This is Locked On SEC. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Check us out each and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. Love talking recruiting with our buddy Brian Smith. All of our recruiting segments presented by LinkedIn Jobs. If you're looking to hire for the new year, LinkedIn Jobs, best place to go and post your job for free. Brian, uh, of course, you're our Locked On Recruiting Insider. And, man, we've got 16 teams to discuss. We have only 30 minutes, so obviously we can't discuss every team and every recruit. But maybe we could touch on a tidbit or two on most of them. I want to start here with Florida, right out of the gates, and the drama that went down with Billy Napier uh, and this class within the last week. A week ago, they're looking like a top five class, and then things kind of dissipated the last 72 hours. Uh, Xavier Filsime flips to Texas, Amaris Williams to Auburn, Darius Hayes to Miami. Things were looking bleak, but then they kind of saved the day uh, from going to complete hell. They saved five-star quarterback DJ Lagway. They get five-star D lineman LJ McCray. They held on to running back Jaden Baugh. What did you make of the week the Gators and Billy Napier had? They were just trying to make my life difficult. I mean, that was the obvious take that I have. Um, I, I, I don't know how to define it other than I think a lot of people have cold feet about what's going on there because they had staff members getting fired. They didn't go to a bowl game. Again, you know, that's not that ever going to go well. And then finally, they're just going after really, really good players and the competition's good. I mean, they're, they're getting beat. Okay, Texas is in the playoff. And they just flipped a kid from inside their state. That's not shocking to me. Uh, Amaris Williams was huge. I think he's about as good a D lineman as there is in the country out of Clinton, North Carolina. That sucked for the Gators, but you know, Auburn's got a program that's on the rise too, but getting Lagway, as you pointed out, like, look, if they'd have lost him, Katie bar the door, because that is a very special player, uh, Texan, by the way, and a kid that kind of fits whatever offense you want to run. Cause he has a cannon. He could be a pocket guy, but he's good enough to run. And, and he's a big body too. They're one of the most unique recruiting stories I could see. They also lost Isaiah Williams, a receiver out of Tampa, too. He went to A&M. So, I mean, it is all over the map with them. It is funny with uh, with Lagway. I, I did like, and look, he's probably getting an IL deal, whatever. But I like when he came out and said, look, despite whatever happened today, I'm a Gator through and through. We know USC and Lincoln Riley were coming hard after him in the last minute. Even Mike Elko and A&M. They were all trying to, trying to come after him. It would have been easy to jump ship. I'll go play for Lincoln Riley and USC. So credit the kid at least for holding firm to his commitment. I thought that was interesting because there for a minute, like A&M was talking to him. That was the school I was curious about because he's from Willis, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. It's an hour and change from College Station. Right. It had been real easy to pick that program. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting because – Look, they have one guy that's coming back. They have, their depth chart is just void. Yeah. He's going to be pretty much the de facto quarterback. I don't know if it's going to be Napier, but during his sophomore year. So 
uh, Gator fans have something to look forward to because that that room has been so inconsistent for them since 2020. The last three, it's just been up and down. So they need a little of that. I'm going to make a prediction. It, we know how rough the schedule is next year, especially on the back oh. end for Florida. If they're yeah. not, if things aren't going well with Graham Mertz, if I'm Billy Napier, I throw Lagway out there, let him show some promise, and then I'm selling to the fan base. Guys, you can't fire me. We're, we're going to grow with this guy, me and him together. Keep me here, and we'll keep this kid. You know, like, we'll see how it plays out. But, like, that might be the way he saves his job next year. He goes, look at how good I'm getting. I'm with it's DJ good, Lagway. Man. Let us let me sell you on the future of me and him together. So, we'll see. Uh, Brian, the other big stories yesterday. I mean, no surprise, Georgia and Alabama both locked down the number one and number two classes, as they typically do. Georgia flips the number one safety and K.J. Bolden away from Florida State. Bama flips wide receiver Aaron Hampton. Uh, running back Kevin Riley. They add D. Lyman. Stephen uh, Bumoa, I think is how you say it. Uh, what would you like about the work that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban did on Wednesday? It just shows you how important recruiting is. They're both great coaches, right? But they have better players than you. They have more depth than you. They have more length than you. This is where their work really happens. It's not on game day. Game day is easy for Bama and Georgia. This is the effort of their entire staff, and they're so freaking organized, and every visit, everything is put into place. I don't think there's any doubt that you're going to see these guys probably competing again in the SEC title game next year. It's just the way to end it in the playoff. This is why. I, I like the trenches for both teams, especially like Georgia's line class. Is just ridiculous. They're all like 315, 320 and up. Alabama got more edge guys. They got more speed. It's just ridiculous. And arguably the best quarterback is going to Bama. Like they really needed that. He won the Elite 11 this year. Both classes top to bottom are loaded. I, I would be surprised if either one of them takes a step back at all. It's interesting this this day and age because NIL, we know it's a big part of recruiting. I mean, uh, Eli Drinkwitz came out and said every kid we talk to now mentions NIL. And again, you got to be sensitive with it. It's the collective paying them. It's not the school. But at least from people I've talked to, what Saban and Bama are still are still doing, and they're they're in the NIL, NIL game. Let's not be you know naive. But from what I've heard, Bama and Saban are still going the route of selling you on. We're going to bring. You're going to win a championship here. We're going to develop you, give you all the skills you need, and you're going to be a first-round pick. They're still going the old-school route, and I get it. Saban is the greatest coach of all time, but they're still selling kids on that. They don't need a checkbook of here's a million dollars. They're still getting a lot of kids based on the old-fashioned recruiting uh, sales sales pitch. They want kids to be there that are going to be looking at it from a development standpoint first because that means you're buying into Bama or you're buying into UGA. They're the same guy, basically, right, Kirby and, and – his whole model came from Saban. What was he, eight years under Saban? So I get it, and it's worked. They'll make an NIL exception for a special player or a special circumstance, but you got to get there and earn it. And based on where their, you know, their programs are, I'd say they have it figured out. Yeah. Why would you change? <laughs> Why would you change? You know what I mean? It's they don't have to, and they're and also let's be honest, location of both schools helps. A lot of the kids that they're doing this with, they can also throw in, you're staying close to home. Yeah. Because they recruit within a 300-mile radius for a lot of their kids, and it, it makes a big difference. Uh, the last point here, they're still also making the really good judgment on when to use the NIL so they don't mess up their locker room. That's the biggest part. Yeah. They want continuity in their locker room. That's why the NIL is a little different at those two schools. 
Uh, one more here for you. Steve Sarkeesian and Texas Longhorns, welcome to the SEC. They load up a top-five class to make the jump from the Big 12. They land five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo, uh, big linebacker Colin Simmons from Duncanville, Kobe Black, Xavier Filsamy, like we talked about, and then Brent Venables at Oklahoma, maybe not the best year on the football field, but the eighth-best class highlighted by running back Taylor Tatum and D-lineman David Stone. Uh, what would you make of the classes? I mean, this was huge. With both of them coming to the SEC, they both needed these level of classes. I think with Oklahoma, first off, getting David Stone is so important. He's probably the best D-lineman in the country that plays on the inside, and they needed more big bodies like that if they're going to be successful short-term and long-term in the Southeastern Conference. So they got some really good players there. Jaden Jackson's a guy people are going to get to know. He he played with Stone actually at IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida, and that group overall, they got more speed, they got more size, and they need another couple classes like this. I know Oklahoma fans have zero patience. Yeah. You're not coming into the SEC and going to be above eight and four, nine and three, right? Unless I'm just completely right. Oklahoma fans have completely unrealistic expectations, but that's just the way it is. They're going to see why the depth is different. Even those mid level games in the SEC, you still get beat up on. And that's why you got to recruit so well, especially down in the box. So it helps them. I think they're another class away to get into where they want to be, though. And Texas, I mean, being in the playoff oh, and playing for a championship, pretty easy sell for Sark, right? I mean, how hard could it be right now? He's got you got to give him a lot of credit. They have depth, they got speed, they got size, got all that, and they just multiplied it with another class. This is kind of pretty much like what Saban and what Smart did. He's he's done in his way with his personality, but the recruiting is a mirror of those two programs. I, I understand it's Texas, it's not that hard. When things are right, Texas is as good a program as there is in the country. It's just been mismanaged for so long, but he's done a tremendous job, and I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to be in the fray for a long time. All our uh, recruiting segments with Brian Smith presented by LinkedIn Jobs. Again, go check them out, linkedin.com slash college. Go post your job for free terms and conditions apply. More with Brian Smith as we continue recapping National Signing Day, the early signing period. It's National Signing Day here on Locked on SEC. This episode presented to you by our friends over at the Game Time app. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big sporting event. Game Time is the fast and easy way for you to buy tickets to all your favorite sporting events. They got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat. That's my favorite part. You can see what your view actually looks like uh, before you buy your tickets. They got the best price guarantee. They take all the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's the only ticketing app that will give you full, complete peace of mind with your purchase. Uh, I love you can make last-minute purchases. Say you went to the game with friends, you didn't have tickets, you're tailgating, and you're going, you know what, let's wait till kickoff. Let's check game time app. They will have all of them right there for you, right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals, and tons of different offers. And with the game time guarantee, means you're always going to get the best price. Take the guesswork out, work out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use our code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. For $20 off your first purchase, again, terms apply, create account, redeem code Locked On College. get $20 off, download game time today, last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
This episode also presented to you by our friends over at the Tax Act Texas Bowl. It's coming up less than a week away. If you're living in the Houston area or nearby and you're a big-time Texas A&M Aggie fan, you got to get over to the Tax Act Texas Bowl. It is one of the biggest bowl events of the season, putting a Big 12 team against an SEC team, and it's the Texas A&M Aggies this year taking on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. they got tons of awesome events going up all week to the game. Roger Krager is going to perform, Braxton Keith, and then, of course, the game and all the pageantry that surrounds it between a Big 12 versus SEC team. Uh, check out TaxActTexasBowl.com right now for the best seats and suites on game day. If you got a group of friends from College Station you want to make the trip down there, go check them out TaxActTexasBowl.com Again, it's a Big 12, an old Big 12 rivalry now, uh, a Big 12 versus SEC, Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. Go check them out TaxActTexasBowl.com That's where you get tickets today. Our continue on with our recruiting conversation with our buddy Brian Smith, our recruiting insider here on Locked On. And uh, Brian, I want to remind folks, uh, as we continue to go around the SEC, we hit on a couple of the the newer teams in the SEC, but uh, Hugh Freeze going to work as Auburn heads into year two under his regime. They signed their best crop of wide receivers ever at Auburn, led by Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson. They get the edge uh, a Morris Williams, by the way, it's not a Maris. He made that clear today on social media. Uh, but then you got quarterback Walker White in there. Coach Freeze just really laying the foundation as he continues to build this program back to prominence, right? The defensive line hall and the receiver hall are as good as anybody's. And quite frankly, it's been a while since you could say that about Auburn like this. Uh, the two playmakers at receiver are the flashy, shiny things that you see in the screen that you go, go and pick up. You know what I mean? But they got guys all across the board. Defensive back is better. They got a linebacker who I think can play right away, and Demarcus Riddick. And they got a quarterback that fits Euphreeze's scheme. That's a big body guy, Walker White. I mean, they they got a little of everything. So I think this is a class that elevates them. And while I'm not saying they're on the same level, it helps them at least begin the process of closing the gap with some of the upper echelon teams like Alabama and Georgia because they got more playmakers that give you a puncher's chance short term and if you add a couple more classes like this then you can compete with them toe-to-toe yeah what's so interesting is what last year I think 22 transfers they brought in they just they were just trying to (laughs) fill in gaps and now they only have three transfers but another full recruiting class and you look at the guys that that they had last year that that got some experience got playing early and now you have these guys I mean I still think they're about a year maybe two years away from being a true championship contender but you could see the groundwork being laid here for Hugh Freeze that's the key I mean you're not going to win a national title with freshmen okay they supplement they do not lead at the same time with a couple more portal guys and depending on how it goes with other teams are they going to be more competitive next year sure they should win eight or nine games in the SEC next season. That would be my guess. But the league is getting harder, too, with Texas and Oklahoma. So everybody's beating up on each other. But they will be a better product on the field. That's all you can ask for if you're an Auburn Tiger. Uh, over at LSU, Brian Kelly heads into year three. And I thought it was interesting, LSU, uh, they're sitting at the number 11 class. We'll see where they end up in February. They could end up in the top 10. We're so used to LSU being in the top 10. I think this yeah. is the only third time in the last decade they're not in the top 10. But no five stars in the group, depending on what service you look at. I go by the, the 24-7 composite, but on three ESPN, they're all different. Uh, but big trade as green at tight end. Safety, Deshaun McBride. Uh, they go get running back Caden Durham out of Texas. But a lot of Louisiana kids, which is usually the goal at LSU, you put up that proverbial fence. But it's it's just like some years there's really elite talent in Louisiana. And there's a ton of five stars. And some years it's a little bit down, but still a lot of four stars. So I, I don't put anything on Brian Kelly saying this is a bad class. It's just... 
I don't know if there was that elite, elite talent coming out of the state this year. The number one player is still unsigned in Dominic McKinley, and he's like an hour away from Baton Rouge. He was committed to A&M. Now there's talk about Texas. There's talk about LSU, et cetera, and he's going to take a visit to LSU in, in January. So that's something for me to follow and uh, for y'all to follow too. And there's some other kids that were associated with A&M's class, like Terry Bussey in Texas, et cetera, that they're still tracking. Like they got both those two kids. They'd be like number six or seven. Yeah. They would move up their classes quite a bit because they're both elite, elite players. So, but it is a good class. 17 kids, if I remember correctly, from inside the boot. That's if you're going to win. I mean, the three-star kids on the river, I'll take those kids all day. Right. They've made a living <laughs> off of those guys forever. Uh, the honey badger, et cetera. They've made a, they've made a killing on those guys. Their rankings are a little bit different. I always take it with a grain of salt with Louisiana kids. They're always motivated and they always play hard for that team. So it's a good class. They got Colin Hurley, a kid I know well, a great quarterback out of Florida. They're going to be fine and their depth is getting better. So they lost Jaden Daniels. I get it, but LSU's not going in. How about this, Brian? I had to do a little research. You know, go back to 2012. That's the last time LSU had a class that wasn't uh, that didn't have a five star in it. But look at some of the three and four star guys that they had at the, that they developed: Quan Alexander, Deion Jones, Daniil Hunter, Jeremy Hill, Jalen Mills. I mean, all those guys went on to have great success in the NFL. Daniil Hunter's one of the most elite pass rushers in the NFL. Quan Alexander, Debo Jones—they're still playing. So you never know. It's like you sign a kid; it's a three-star. But you know who I trust? Frank Wilson. That guy knows a thing or two about talent in that room. Oh, so man. you know, yeah, he, especially in the boot, Frank knows what's going on. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, how about over at Tennessee? Uh, Josh Heupel and the Vols—some big wide receivers in this group: Mike Matthews and Braylon Staley. They get another quarterback, Jake Merklinger, a big edge of Jordan Ross. Ten additions on the defense. Seems like that was an area that they really need to continue to build up there at Tennessee. Uh, anyone you really like in this group? The Staley kid is somebody I don't think got enough, enough love. I really like him as a receiver. And look, if anybody does a better job at getting receivers open than that offense, I'm not sure who it is. You got to give Hypo and his staff credit. They got some more playmakers, and they also brought in some size and some needed speed on D. They're going to score. Now can they compete on the defensive side, play in, play out against Georgia, against Alabama, you know, LSU? If they do, with the way they throw the football around, once they get quarterback figured out again, and I think they've got a guy from California they're going to lean on here pretty (laughs) soon for that, they have a chance to be in the SEC title game. And I know a lot of Georgia fans are going to throw things at the screen, but if you've got quarterback playing, you can score – the recruiting rankings are getting a little, little murky. And that's why those 10 guys on defense that you mentioned, Chris, really, really important for the Vols. Well, you say the SEC title game. It's no longer East versus West. I mean, it could be Georgia versus Tennessee in the title game. Moving it could forward, be. So. That's also – it, it takes me a while. You're right. I didn't even think about it, but that's technically true. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 going to be wild to adapt to that. Uh, a few more for you here, Brian. The two new coaches, Mike Elko at A&M, Jeff Levy at Mississippi State, had their work cut out for them with just a few weeks. I mean, you take the job, and it's like, hey, put together a signing class in two weeks. I know it's incredibly difficult. Uh, Elko, yes. by the way, hiring his D.C. yesterday, former Florida assistant Jay Bateman. Uh, the Aggies just 12 signees on Wednesday. They went quality over quantity. Yeah. Uh, Solomon Williams, the edge, wide receiver Isaiah Williams, Blake Ivey, the tackle, and then State. Uh, they, they had to do, you know, piecemeal this thing together. Big offensive tackle, Jimothy Lewis, J.J. Harrell, wide receiver, Michael Van Buren, the quarterback. But anyone you really like in this group at AM and in Mississippi State? Well, I know both the kids from uh, Tampa that you just mentioned. I know them well. Both of them will do well there. Uh, Williams, the receiver, can fly, and Solomon is an edge rusher. You can never have enough of those. He's 250 pounds and got white feet. 
I'm really curious about Van Buren going over to state, though. That's the one that caught my attention. He's a kid from St. Francis in Baltimore. He was originally committed to Oregon. I mean, that's his path has been unusual, but he's a guy that can run RPO. I think that would be a really interesting combination because it's not all that different what he does compared to Lane, ironically. Of course, Lane's going to be competing directly with Mississippi State because those two hate each other, those two schools. If they get into that game too, that's going to make that fun, and I think it'll give the, them an opportunity to compete against teams they're not going to get as much talent. They're not going to get as much as what they get on the Bayou or up in Tuscaloosa, but you get one of those special quarterbacks, you can make some hay. Yeah, still more to come here on Locked on SEC. We will get to Lane Kiffin and what he said about the state of Mississippi yesterday. But oh uh, thank you guys for uh, watching Locked on SEC, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, covering your team every day. We'll hit on that coming up here in just a second right here on Locked on SEC. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, as the weather continues to get colder across the south, all the deals at FanDuel continue to heat up, and they got NFL action, they got college action, they got all the bowl games, they got college basketball, NBA, all of it is up there for you right now. And if you never signed up before, new customers at FanDuel, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on the action. They got the playoff games up there right now. You like Alabama to pull off the upset over Michigan? You can still get Bama as an underdog. Nick Saban is an underdog. Doesn't happen very often. You can go take advantage of that right now over at FanDuel. Of course, their app is super easy to, to use. They got a wide range of betting options. They got the spread, uh, player props. All of it is up there for you. So go visit FanDuel.com slash on today. And get through the rest of this NFL season and bowl season with FanDuel. They are FanDuel. They are the official partner of the NFL. Go check them out today. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn is the site. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on with our recruiting conversation with our buddy uh, Brian Smith, our insider here at Locked On. And, Brian, we've touched on a good majority of the SEC, so let's keep it rolling. Let's stop on over in Columbia, South Carolina. Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks, they missed a bowl game this year, but still put together a top-20 recruiting class, and it's led by the big five-star edge, Dylan Stewart. I know the tackle, Josiah Thompson, some were thinking maybe he was wavering yesterday, but they get him locked in. Uh, They get the big tight end, Michael Smith, out of Georgia. A good class. But Beamer, he's also loaded up in the portal. He's got nine transfers already. This is a big year. Beamer's got to have more success on the field this year. I think that's part of the reason that what you just mentioned, already having nine guys. What do you think, Chris? What do you think that number is going to be by the time we get to the end of June and all the portal stuff is done for the second to 15, yeah. 18? His whole backfield. I mean, he he's, can't got lose. Three, he's got three new running backs. I mean, it's you got he's got to address that's all the wild. needs, you know? Yeah, I – I understand that their recruiting philosophy has to be a little different. They're not going to get as many of the top-tier kids that they want. Oh, they're not going to admit that. But they hit on a couple of big guys, and they also kept some of the in-state talent home and some of the kids they wanted from South Georgia, et cetera. The key, though, really for them is the combination of the portal with high school kids. 
you said it, you were hundred percent right. If they don't do well next year, is he going to be there? Like their, their fan base, you know, what's been in the NIL and, and the boosters do it. They want results. This is like a business now. So I'm curious, Dylan Stewart, by the way, will play right away. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. That kid is shot out of a cannon. Six four, two thirty five, can just absolutely run like a deer and he's an edge rusher. So he will play early for them. He might help Beamer keep his job. I bet he plays pretty much from day one. Yeah, the place where, where South Carolina really suffered, suffered this year was in the trenches. O-line and D-line, their two best recruits, a D-line and an O-lineman. So immediate help there as freshmen sure. coming in. Uh, how about over at Ole Miss? Lane Kiffin, he's been making all the headlines in the portal. I mean, they have been loading up, but uh, they got some quality kids in this group as well. I know the class is around, what, 21 overall, somewhere like that. But what stood out to me, a lot of in-state kids. I mean, Deion Smith, the former LSU signee, had some great issues, goes to college, the community college route, Gets back into this class, and he's a four-star signee. Uh, the O-lineman, William Eccles. The D-lineman, Kamari and Franklin. A lot of Mississippi State kids staying in school and going to the SIP. But Lane, of course, having to take a shot already after at his buddy Jeff Levy saying, yeah, I mean, both both schools in the state, one's heading this direction, the other one's heading this direction. So come join us. Thought that was kind of funny. Lane has to be Lane. I mean, that <laughs> he is a Twitter must-follow, Just even if you don't like the guy because it makes you just think uh, he's a very goofy personality, but yeah, they did a really good job in two areas. In my opinion, number one, they did well in state just in general. And two, they took advantage of a really good year with linemen in the state. Like the Eccles kid could play either side of the ball. And Camarion Franklin is a kid that was coveted by pretty much everybody across the South. Those kind of guys, they usually don't get, they'll go to LSU. They'll go to AM. They'll go to Bama. They'll go to Georgia. If they keep those kids home, especially on the defensive side, we know that Kiffin can scheme it up on offense. And he's still getting some of those kids, too. This changes them. And then your point about the portal. I don't know what is going on <laughs> with Ole Miss in the portal. I, I want to cover that on the back end after it finally slows down. But they're rolling. They've got a chance to make the playoff next year. Yeah, the Grove Collective is paying out. And look, rightfully so. It's legal. You can do it. Credit to the Ole Miss fandom uh, fans stepping up and putting the money into the port into the collective and they're making it happen um Ole Miss with a chance to you know they won 10 games a chance to get to 11 with the bowl win Eli Drinko it's in Missouri same boat 10 wins this year uh they just give extensions yesterday to both their coordinators Kirby Moore and Blake Baker and look to me this is a class of course headlined by you know the big five-star uh edge Williams Winery uh but they also go into Arkansas get the four-star wide receiver Courtney Crutchfield add him to a talented wide receiver room already with Luther Burden back but uh, seems like to me that when every kid is, I mean, he's going to start from day one of that D line, right? Uh, barring him just not wanting to work hard this summer or something <laughs> like that, or him getting injured. I mean, he's getting some money. He needs to play by the yeah. way. That's an investment figuratively and literally that is something that's really unique though. People don't realize they had a really good defense this year. They were clutching some serious moments, hung in there with Georgia, etc. Adding guys like Mary. I mean, it's not out of the realm now that you could see them come in and make some more noise next year. They got some key guys back, Burton's back, et cetera. I'm curious because if a couple of these guys, and maybe a portal edition or two that's still to come, maybe they push for the SEC title game next year. Why not? 
Yeah, it's it's been fantastic, and, and like you mentioned, they're going to bring so much back next year and bring the quarterback yeah. back. And you know, yesterday they had a linebacker from Miami, Corey Flagg, transfers to to Mizzou. There so uh, a few more quick hitters here with you, Brian. Uh, Arkansas, it, it's been a rough go for Sam Pittman and, and his group, and he gets the vote of confidence. He's going to get another year. Recruiting class, not the best they've signed, but some good players here. I know they got the big four star wide receiver Ashton Bethel Roman from the Houston area. They get a quarterback in KJ Jackson out of Montgomery, and then a big D lineman. Charleston Collins right out of there at Little Rock. Um, what do you make of what Sam Pittman uh, did in this group? Well, keeping at least some of the key guys at home is always the most important thing. That state is not as deep talent-wise as some of the other SEC states. So if you don't keep those guys at home, then you're fighting more in the state of Texas, Louisiana, and that's always an uphill climb. Same with Ole Miss. You know, they're competing against them for kids. That's hard. I think they needed more playmakers, though. And after this season, did you really expect them to get it? You know, on, e- on either side, like where's the elite corner? Where's the elite offensive tackles, et cetera? Their O-line had problems. They didn't get enough across the board. They're probably four or five players short of where they needed to be. But that's what happens when you underachieve and you had a fifth-year senior quarterback. People are going to look at you a little bit sideways. Yeah, their linebacker, Chris Paul, goes to Ole Miss. K.J. Jefferson's in the yeah. portal. Rocket Sanders goes to South Carolina. I mean, it's a yeah. lot of their good players all jump ship, so we will see there. Uh, how about over Kentucky? They uh, they had a quarterback in Cutter Bowley, and I was reading an article last night that said there's a legit conversation that he's going to compete with Brock Vandergriff for that starting role next year. I know we all just assumed Brock Vandergriff coming over from Georgia, he's going to be the starter, but Cutter Bowley, a lot of people think you know very high on him. They also get a safety in Cam Dooley, uh, edge rushers in Jacob Smith and Brian Robinson, and then they're also doing Mark Stoops also had a lot of pieces in the portal. They get Jamin Dumas Johnson from Georgia at linebacker. I mean, uh, Kentucky's kind of building something here. Cutter Bowley is an interesting situation. He changed class. I would pump the brakes on freshmen starting in the SEC in general at quarterback. It's usually a terrible idea, <laughs> but he has a big arm and he's mobile. Maybe it can happen. Uh, I, For their sake, I hope it can be Vandergriff to give that kid a year to grow and just actually to go to class. Overall, though, they, you know, they need more talent and they especially need more depth on defense. I think they're getting better. Now the question is, did they get enough high level guys to really take that final step? It's at the end, it's about the four and five star guys. Yeah. It just is. I just don't think they got enough of those to say, okay, well now we're going to compete with Georgia. You know what I mean? Like they got stomped when they played and they're good. They're really good coaching staff. I just still don't think they took enough jump to really say that, but, it's a good class. Yeah, it's just fascinating. I mean, they've gone to the portal every year. Will Levis, a quarterback, then Devin That's Leary. Right. Now they go get Brock Vandergriff. We'll see how this works out for them. All right, Brian, we've almost done it. We've gone through 15 teams. We've got one team left. I get it. It's Vandy. Nobody cares about them largely, but they rank 40th in this class. That's pretty good for Vandy, but it's headlined by the big five or four-star safety, Dante Carter, one of the highest-ranked recruits ever in, in years to sign with Vanderbilt. I think I think I saw sixth highest all-time in the 24-7 era. Uh, that's a guy that's probably going to start immediately, but Clark Lee, man, I, I don't know. Feels like he's on life support here, but at least you got a big-time safety that could play immediately. What did Vanderbilt expect? Have you seen a picture of what's going on on their campus right now and yeah. stuff? I mean, it, it, it's a complete construction zone, and they have no history. So he's a great coach as a defensive mind. He's a grad. He's a good guy. If you were thinking you were going nine and three in year two, I, I have news for you. But the Carter kid, that's a start. They, they're losing kids to Porter's. I don't think they're supporting the NIL like some of the others. They need to fix the money part, or Clark Lee or anybody else is not going to get it done there. Decent class, though, especially by Vandy's standards, and he cares about the place. 
they get rid of him, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> uh, Brian, as we wrap up here real quick, just like 30 seconds or so, give me just one. Who is your biggest winner of signing day and who is your biggest loser in the SEC? Um, the biggest winner to me, I think, in honesty, is Texas because they capitalized on what they should have. As goofy as that sounds, I think they're literally right there. This isn't a one-hit wonder they're going to the playoff. The SEC has three elite teams right now in the trenches. That's not good for the other teams. It's not. But that's that's what it's going to be right out the gate. The other thing with the loser, it's Florida. You can't lose a Mars Williams. You can't lose a Monte Waller, et cetera. That program is on life support, too. And for what it should be, and it's still a decent class, don't get me wrong, but it went from top five to not even the top ten, depending on who you ask. And it's because of how they played on the field. Give Brian a follow on social media at FB Scout underscore Florida. Does a tremendous job covering all things recruiting, uh, especially for us here on Locked On. And uh, Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks again. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, All right. good one. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Again, thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers checking us out every day. You guys have an awesome weekend. We'll be back on Monday to recap all the action in the transfer portal and much more. Uh, now for your second listen, go check out the Locked On Sports Today show on YouTube. Live 24-7 streaming channel covering all the big topics in sports with all of our great experts along the Locked On College or Locked On Networks, uh, Pro College, all of it. So go check that out, Locked On Sports Today. I'm Chris Gordy. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.